0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello there. It's great to have you with me on The Big Nose. This is episode one, reviewing the week that was, the first week in October 2020. This podcast uh, hopes to explore the main headlines and stories that we have seen across all our social media platforms, news platforms, and in our newspapers for the past week. The idea behind this podcast is for me to deliver in my own unique way, my own uh, perspective on each story that really has dominated the the headlines and the, the airwaves for the last five, six, seven days. Uh, i have looked at different areas in terms of getting different topics that i hope listeners and subscribers will find interesting and, and relevant and i think this podcast being the big nose is basically me delving into the detail of each story and trying to identify who said what what people were saying and 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 what was the nooks and crannies of what was going on in each kind of story, and and how the story developed over a number of days, uh, and then delivering my own perspective on how I felt people dealt with the stories. So I hope you look uh, will will stay with me, and, and we'll we'll get through this, and and we'll see see how it goes. I think coming th- the week starting the twenty eighth of September saw a lot of students who had received their leaving set results starting a new chapter in their lives a chapter on uh, on which um, a lot of your life is formed around the the years of college and one dominating story we found to be prevalent in the news and, and developed over Sunday, Monday and Tuesday of this week was the incident that occurred at Spanish Arch in Galway now on on the face of it, it was a group of between 100 and 300 students who gathered in the Spanish arch area of uh, Galway City, Uh, and from the photographs and footages that was available, there was very little social distancing, there was uh, very little presence of policing, Uh, and it seemed to be a no-hold-bar approach to whatever you want to do. Um, But I think Rather than what happened at the event, what transpired from it, I think, was more interesting and says more about Irish people and how we kind of reflect on things that go wrong in, in Irish society. Um, a lot of stuff that was going on Twitter and and um, social media pages was very divided, and I think this is a reflective of where we are in terms of the COVID response as a society we have in Ireland. It's becoming now a case of division rather than togetherness. uh, Becoming an area of blame game, um, identifying people, picking people out, picking segments of the community out based on age. Um, A lot of the stuff we're calling the people who are in attendance at this event, or not this event, this congregation of people, uh, young and foolish. And I think um, if there was between 100 and 300 people at that, I don't think that's a relevant uh, pers- uh, representation of the society of those attending college in, in Galway and in Galway City and the surrounding areas. I think we have to look at it from my, uh, my perspective in terms of when I was 18 years of age um, and I had a little bit of freedom, I explored that freedom. And when I felt there was not going to be no consequences of that freedom and my friends were doing it, then it was easier for me to do it. Now, faced with a pandemic in which it isn't affecting the younger generations or the demographic of 18 to 25, in the same way it is affecting those over 65 or those with underlying conditions, um, I can see how this transpired and happened. It just doesn't. Accidents don't happen. I, I learned when I was a young, you know, younger, younger, and in school they're caused. And this is where people, after the event, kind of call for people to take responsibility for actions to be um, put on people, and and for them to have ramifications um, for bodies, for organisations, and for institutes. Now it's fair to say that all government bodies and and a lot of the higher level education centers in ireland have put in um, frameworks in which they are hoping to be able to bring students to campus and be able to have a level of blended learning now i know nui galway had communicated with students that this would be the case for the foreseeable future that there would be a level of blended learning depending of course on what you were doing in college Does, some courses that you will have to have a lot of practical work. There's some that you will have very little practical work, and and for that reason, um, your your presence on campus or in the city might be more needed if you're doing more practical courses rather than more theoretical or academically based uh, courses. Now, I'm sure I'm sh- pretty sure I've seen a communique sent out by anyway uh, Galway stating this that there would be a level of blended learning, and they appreciate that, um at this stage of the student's life is, um, is a unique experience and for those who go into college we know what it's like um, it is a, a, f- a first sense of freedom for a lot of people you're away from home if you're living off campus um, you're living independently probably for the first time and, and for a lot of these people it's the first time that they can go out socially independently and have their own money in their pocket or money given to them by their parents or whoever it was uh, and spend it in whichever way they like. Now a lot of people will go and spend a whole lot on booze and whatever, and not have any money for food for the week. But you learn, and that's that's the process of going to college. You learn to be able to manage your money, you learn to be able to live off very little, and you learn to be able to pull your money. But this is week one, day one, first weekend. College hadn't even started. So these lessons hadn't been learned. So we're expecting that these young people knew that what they were doing but they don't and young and foolish is a, is, a, is, a, is a phrase that was banded around on Twitter I've seen it on Instagram I've seen it on stories and in articles young and foolish yes evil are young and foolish and people will always be young and foolish whether we're in the middle of a war we're in the middle of a pandemic whether we're in peacetime people will be young and foolish and what I also considered in my own perspective is the phrase you can put an old head on young shoulders and this is exactly what happened People who were judging and passing comment and writing these headlines for the most part were trying to see the situation through old heads, but they weren't being able to see that these heads that were at the actual um party, whatever you want to call it a social gathering, weren't um old heads and then what we saw is the idea of old heads and young shoulders been drawn into the whole Golfgate incident where we had old educated supposedly academic better knowing heads attending a golf event Um, and the comparisons were drawn between what happened in Dublin I think it was two weeks previously what happened in Galway in Spanish Arch and what happened in Golfgate and it shows that we, as a society, don't um, always think of others. And this is where the division has come. And I think this is where we're heading as a nation. It's a case of, at the start, we were all in it together and we were understanding that we had to do it for the greater good. But as time goes by and we roll into the seventh and eighth month, when we are looking out the window and it's no longer sunny blue skies and warm weather, when we're looking at rain falling down, Horizontally, hour after hour, day after day, and the day is not getting bright and the day is getting shorter. That it's starting to eat away at our goodwill, it's starting to eat away at our confidence of what everybody else is doing the same as us. And then we see events like this and say, What's the point? What is the point of us going through hardship and isolating, cocooning, and not seeing our friends and not having our parties and not having our celebrations all together? ...when others are out there doing the exact opposite. But I think it's important from my perspective... ...to understand that what we see going on publicly... ...isn't a representation of what is going on widely in our community. There's a lot of people out there doing more than they need to be doing. Isolating themselves because they're at risk. Cocooning because they're elderly. Not seeing their grandkids not seeing their families, not celebrating landmarks in people's lives. And that's what the vast majority is. And yes, this will happen again. Young people will gather, they will be foolish, and they will have a knock-on effect. The government, I think, is doing the best that it can, giving the situation Um, It's not an easy situation to be put in and yes they will make mistakes and they will continue to make mistakes because this at the end of the day is a pandemic. No government in the history of this state has dealt with a pandemic believe it or not. This is the first government that has dealt with a pandemic in the Irish state. The last pandemic we had was the Spanish flu and the Irish state wasn't in existence when that was around. But well, my biggest worry and my biggest takeaway for, and my perspective on all of this was the need for us to have someone take responsibility. For the government to be blamed, for the colleges to be blamed te- by telling the students to come back to college, a secure accommodation by the 28th. Responsibility on behalf of the students, of the students who were in attendance, should have known better should have walked away and in an ideal world they would have walked away if I could send uh, my 18 year old son or daughter in the future to a a nightclub and tell them you know leave when you see drugs being taken or leave when you see inappropriate behaviour and they left that would be ideal but I know that's not a world we live in people make snap decisions people make decisions in certain parts of their lives where especially in this situation where the young people coming together making friends for the first time people they have only met probably on the previous Friday, Saturday and Sunday as people descended on Galway City and like everything else there was messages going out over Snapchat, Whatsapp and if you didn't attend then there may be a sense that you felt left out and okay it doesn't make it right these people shouldn't be in attendance at these things but it happened and what are you going to do? Expel 300 students from being in attendance. They made a mistake. They did make a mistake. There's no taking away from that. And that mistake will have ramifications further on down the road. But it's important that what we do is come around as a community and all together accept that it's wrong. Not that it's right, but that we accept as a society gathering like this is wrong. Now I know that there's people out there calling for you know government to step in for the colleges to step in and in one case for the army to be coming come in but i think senator oliver uh, oliver Oliver crow was kind of using that to bring up the point that he felt that the guards in the situation weren't fully resourced Um and there was very little in terms of you know breaking up the event so i can appreciate where he was coming from i don't think he was truly of the opinion that we need armed um armed army soldiers on the streets of Galway dictating to the society down there that if you don't um stop gathering that you will um be shot it's not what he was saying you know we in this country are, are so lucky that we police uh, are we are policed uh, uh, and we are guided by goodwill from the Guards we don't have an armed Guard of Force we have a Guard of Response Unit but we as a people accept that you know if the Guards tell you to do something the vast majority of will do it and comply by it I don't think the Senator was calling for the Army to step in like you might see in the States where the National Guards step in it wasn't the case it was a call for resources to be put in place um, to help with this social unrest maybe Um But I think the biggest thing I take away from it is, you know, we have to understand that as a nation, as a society, we have to accept that events like this at this moment in time during a pandemic shouldn't happen. But events like this will happen and they will happen again. What we need to do is make sure that we have one response, not that it's, you know, blaming the young people. Because if we blame the young people, then we have to look at ourselves as a society and then, You know, we have ministers and European uh, commissioners attending gigs when they know. So we can't, you know, hold the young people and the old people to different standards. We have to hold everybody on an individual basis to the same standard. People shouldn't be gathering in large groups. That's what we are told. So we accept that this event was wrong. We accept that the college communicated in the way it communicated and we have to take on board that they are trying their best to deal with this by at the same time delivering a level of education which is needed for the students. We have to understand the students have desires and expectations of college life but they have to accept that this at the moment isn't going to be able to be 100% of what actually happens. The idea that these young people won't make mistakes is foolish. The idea that the government won't make decisions that is in in this situation that is that is foolish. Governments will make decisions that are wrong and they will look back on and we hope and make the right decision. In terms of responsibility for what happened at Spanish Arch, ultimately it lays at the door of those in attendance, not as the wider college body. Not the college itself, not the government, but the people in attendance. we are individuals acting in a society i I wouldn't attend an event, and a lot of people listening into this wouldn't attend it, but there are people who would go to an event or, or have been at an event already in the last seven months that they probably don't think they should attend it. What we now need to accept is that going forward, that we learn from this, that we take it out we publicised what happened, we learned from the mistakes that were made and we communicated in a way of what the a fallout of such an event happens. That if the students were to go home to Galway and have been in contact with people who are carrying the virus, might bring it into homes around the country and that might have a knock-on effect for the, co- the co- community transfer. That was the most important takeaway. Those who were in attendance needed to be isolating themselves either by staying in their room or staying on campus and not travelling home for the next three weeks and that is the only way we should respond to this the idea of um, expelling fining these people for in a, being in attendance is farcical we had a judge who attended a a golfing event in the golf gate uh, um, scenario who um, felt no ramifications for his attendance ignorance of the regulations seemed to be his defence and I can't go into court and claim ignorance of the law and get away with it because I didn't understand it but apparently he could get away with the fact that he didn't break any law he just didn't abide by the regulations so for the same f- by the same process these young peoples probably knew the law we're aware of the regulations but still attended so they need to be ta- they need to take responsibility for those actions and if they don't take responsibility for the actions when they are informed of their responsibility that's when we have a problem for me the takeaway is that we will never put old heads on young shoulders young people will always be foolish the same way old people will always be foolish there is a question to be asked whether the resources are in place outside of Dublin in terms of the support structures for Angarda econa. I don't feel that any blame is to be given over to the government or the colleges down in Galway for what happened they have put in place plans that they hope will best um, deliver education and uh, an atmosphere in which the college students and those in attendance in that area will be safe and get the experience as best can be delivered and we all need to accept as a society as a wider Irish nation that things will happen in the future that it might not necessarily be um, the government's fault or the body's fault it might be the individual's fault and for me individual responsibility is more important through this pandemic than any other responsibility and that's why we need as a nation to understand our own responsibility for those around us and i would implore anybody listening in here to just reflect on what they are doing in this fight against COVID 19 from spanish arch all the way to the united states of america this week saw the first presidential debate between current president donald j trump and former vice president joe biden it was held i think it was tuesday morning if i remember correctly or wednesday morning like two o'clock airtime and um i watched it then afterwards and well, it was two hours of the life or an hour and a half of the life that I won't get back again. Um, I think Donald Trump will feature a lot across these podcasts in the coming weeks and months ahead with the president presidential uh, election to be declared next month. Um, now, since the debate, we all know that Donald Trump has po- tested positive for COVID-19. His dear wife, Melania, also has tested positive for COVID nineteen, and we hope them the very best in health. We wouldn't wish this on anybody, even Donald Trump. Um, but looking back to the presidential debate, um, one one of my biggest takeaways, and I always say this about America and and the system that they have, is that they're a country of I think it's between four hundred and four hundred and fifty million people, and out of those people, the two best people that they can pull up for nomination for the office of president is donald trump and joe biden i think um this is reflective of maybe the divisions in society like i said in spanish arch uh, segment uh the division society in america um the presidential debate was very very predictable we all know uh, what Donald Trump's tact is in terms of he will speak over his his opponent, he will come up with random points of fact which might later on prove not to be a fact at all the whole thing was very disjointed and I don't think that the moderator Chris Wallace was very good I think he was quite weak I think it was obvious that he got frustrated with um, Donald Trump's approach not that he was in favour of any of the candidates but it was obvious that he was not happy with how the Trump administration had agreed to allow two minutes of talking uh, without interruption. And basically that never happened across uh, the whole hundred minutes or so of the debate. Um, And we learned nothing. right? Realistically, it was um, everybody to type. Uh, Donald Trump talking the way he talks. Joe Biden. Only thing that I would say about Joe Biden is that he delivered communication in an effective way by speaking down the lens he never really seemed to look at um donald trump which i think was a case of trying to make him be dismissive of him as a president and um, i think it got a little bit too personal in terms of talking about you know joe's family and uh, and what they has or hasn't done but again donald trump is so on point in terms of delivering what he wants to his core voters you know he wants to make himself look like he is the betrayer of pure america and he wants to make his opponent look corrupt um, elitist and looking after himself and you know i think there was one line in the whole thing where it got to a stage where it was and i think it was actually quite early on and i think it, it was one, one takeaway from the whole event is where Joe Biden turned around to when he was speaking and Donald Trump was continually interrupting and it was funny. It was like, he said, will you shut up, man? And, um, you know, a lot of what Donald Trump was doing was just basically breaking up points that Joe Biden was trying to deliver and scuppering whatever communication he was trying to get across to the answer of the question from Chris Wallace or the communication he was trying to get down the lens. And I was kind of looking back and, and and reflecting of a case of maybe if you had a better moderator or a more powerful moderator, not taking taking anything away from Chris Chris Wallace, he has had a distinguished career, but it, I was thinking in Irish perspective, if you had the likes of maybe a, a Vincent Brown or even probably more 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 like a, a Claire Byrne, would 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 the debate go in the same way? I think those characters that we speak of in Ireland can be quite um direct can be quite very controlling and, uh, and act as a good moderator and um obviously um we don't know how this COVID 19 positive situation with the the trumps will develop in terms of the next debate i think the timeline is if he was to quarantine for two weeks this would run over the next debate um I think it was very telling in terms of his opinion on COVID nineteen, the fact that his family were in attendance and not wearing masks where the Bidens were. Um you know, and and America is in a funny place, you know, it's at a serious precipice in terms of its response to COVID nineteen and and, you know, with Donald Trump throughout the debate retorting with, you know, we'll have a we'll have a we'll have a vaccination in the first week of November is something that is wishful thinking from a medical point of view. From my understanding, you know, I, my opinion is that that yes, there may be a vaccine next year, but the idea of getting the distribution and the organisation in place to get it across the vast numbers of people that we need to is, is unlikely in the next two to three years, and that's if the vaccine is forthcoming. Um, I think going forward, the debates will need better moderation. Uh, and how they put that together i'm not quite sure whether or not the host has to be a lot stronger uh, whether there needs to be ramifications for people so if for example you do not adhere to the two minutes that you lose the two minutes on the next slot and you don't get to speak and i think that's the only way of dealing with it if i'm totally honest or you get reduced time if you interrupt you lose a minute off your time and if you interrupt twice you lose the whole segment on answering the next question and um, whether or not open debate is something that is worth exploring with it, Donald Trump there in and out and dismissive of of, of his opponent is something as well um, but I think going forward on this weekly podcast is something that we will speak about Donald Trump on a weekly basis which is painful I understand but he's across all of our media he's across all of our newsreels and, and he's there and he, and he is delivering in terms of content So yeah, the presidential debate was really up there along with Spanish Arch, and it is something that we will watch closely. And myself personally, being a bit of an anorak when it comes to politics and all things current affairs, it's something that I'd definitely be watching. So watch this space. never know, Claiborne, you might get a call to do the next moderation. The difficult part about this podcast is trying to get... Condense it to just like three stories like there was other stories of course the news breaking towards the end of the week that Tony Hullihan would be coming back to work uh, uh, and replacing the acting CMO Ronan Glynn, Dr Ronan Glynn Um, and we all thought yay he's coming back to save us but um, we have to appreciate the work that Ronan Glynn did and and accept that. He's not here to save us. He's here to make the, um continue the work that uh, Ronan Glynn was doing, uh, and he was doing well. Um, but I think in a, in the Irish psyche, Tony Hulhan has a has a, a special place in a lot of our hearts. It's funny when you go researching these things, um, what comes up, um, and for every twenty messages of support on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever, there was always that one comment about um. You know the cervical check crisis that went on, and it's funny. Like I even speaking to people who weren't biggest fan of uh, Simon Harris, and how all of a sudden through this pandemic he warmed people, and and people have changed their opinion. But that wasn't the story that I went for. I think the another dominating story of the week, off the back of what happened in Spanish Arts and the presidential debate in America, was the leaving cert fiasco and the fact that out of fifty thousand lines of code two lines were incorrect and this affected 10% of um the students who did the leaving cert last year who some of them obviously were down in spanish arch but um basically that brought their grades down so they were entitled to an upgrade so whatever it is 6000 or so students had been affected um and this had a knock on effect then basically for the CAO, college places and being able to accommodate these because it's so late in the day that um, it's difficult to recalibrate the whole system, the CAO to send out new places for places to be made for students who may now want to take an an offer that they previously weren't um, offered. And it's just, just another issue that, you know, okay, the government had procured the service of this Canadian company, Polymetric, or whatever it was, and um, in a pandemic, things are done maybe faster than they would have previously been done. The due diligence and the amount of scrutiny into these companies might be as as severe. So things happen, and I don't think it's necessarily Norma Foley, the Minister for Education's um, fault that this happened you know 5000 line of code i don't think the people in the department of uh, education are you know that technically minded across um their their spectrum of knowledge that they know how to write code and they and it would find it very difficult to um understand how it's done i am un- of understanding that the department of education had taken on an american company to verify all the work that was being carried out by polymetrica but the whole thing is just messy And again, I think the most important thing, and I put it in my perspective, is okay, there was 10% of the student body got grades that were lower. Some of them will be upgraded. Some of them may have got a course. But in the grand scheme of things, um, considering where we were at and what we were dealing with, the fact that we got a Leaving Cert result um, is important. There was mistakes, but every year there's mistakes with Leaving Certs. So the fact that this happened is just, you know, unfortunate. I think the idea of Labour asking for an inquiry to be held is just silly. The money that would be wasted on an inquiry into such um, an insignificant amount in the larger scheme of things. Um, and I'm not to take away from people who didn't get the grade that they deserved, and I'm not saying... That students who didn't get the places or won't get the places on the course soon are insignificant. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying for someone to come out and ask for an inquiry to be held into it. Well, we know what happened. We were in the middle of a pandemic. Decisions were made um, that might not have been made when we were in normal times. Due diligence might not be made. And this is going back to the area about responsibility. Always having somebody held to account and someone's head to roll and someone to be made a scapegoat. When a mistake was made we learn from it and i think it feeds into my opinion my opinion the bigger perspective of the leading cert and how it needs an overhaul an approach to how we grade now i know what a lot of people said after we got to predicted grades that oh the the system of the leading cert stood up to scrutiny that it's the best way forward for everybody to go through a system and come out in this way i don't think it is i think it's it's flawed it doesn't appeal to how everybody learns and I know that from being through it, it hasn't changed that much in the however many decades it's been going now. We need to look at it from a, persp- a perspective of um, a different way of coming out with um, a fair result. And I appreciate that life isn't fair and I appreciate that the system isn't fair. And we need to kind of accept that but at the same time it's an opportunity that now is there there we can look at how we deal with examinations and how we deal with young people and how they get, get the best opportunities to do all go on and do what they like that helps the economy the nation fulfill its uh, potential and invest in these people and you know the leaving cert fiasco will be old news this time next year and it will be a footnote in history in the wider footnotes of history, or this, this pandemic will we won't focus like in Ireland. We will focus around the schools. We will focus around hospitalizations in terms of our COVID response and how we responded and how we got back to a level of normal. And I think this leaving Serfiasco, while it was big news for two or three days this week and i know people are really put out by it but we need to accept that things are being done in a pandemic let let give people a little bit of leeway understand that this shows up in a bigger way the leaving certificates flaws as much as it has positive the flaws that were in it and are in it and how it, it now might be an opportunity as a society come together and say yeah this 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 has shown these these problems. Now we need to have a look and way a look and at, at a way in which we can reinvent ourselves and deliver a way that is fairer, is more flexible to other scenarios. That in the future we will give across more time and we give across more um, importance to different things within the education system. And it's again, it's not a case of a blame game. Norma Foley is a, only minister for a short period of time. She inherited it for from a different minister, and again, it's a pandemic. I'm not a biggest fan of Nora, Norma Foley's. I don't think she is as present as she needs to be during this, and that is a fair assumption a, a fair uh, opinion to have. I think. But what we need to do is we need to focus on the young people, make sure that those who can get into the places that they should have gotten previously do and out where we can we do accommodate people who can't and at the end of the day there are people out there who didn't didn't get the grades that they should have got and are still very happy to go on with the course that they got and that's that's brilliant as well so that's episode 1 where we looked at the spanish arch get together with students from national college colleges in galway the nui um galway sorry and We looked at the presidential debate and touched on Donald Trump and Melania Trump testing positive for COVID-19. And finally, we looked at the Leaving Cert fiasco in which 10% of the grades had to be increased because of two lines of 50,000 lines of code were incorrect, which meant that grades that were awarded were incorrect. The question now is what will come up in next week's uh, episode what news lays ahead? What news is in the wings ready to break? A funny feeling Donald Trump will make it into it. But we wait and see. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast, The Big Nose. You will find me on Instagram at Pierce Cromwell. You will find me on Facebook at Pierce Cromwell. And you will find me on LinkedIn. And I hope you found it interesting. And I hope that we will have you back next week when we're reviewing the topics that are yet to be announced. Have a good day. Take care. Bye bye.